All right, well, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to the Gospel of John, and we're going to just sit on chapter 1, and uh, we'll read a verse out of there together uh, about halfway through the message, so you can just uh, get that spot saved, and I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that church is not a... uh, merry-go-round that we come uh, week after week just to go through the motions, God, but this is a progressive journey uh, after the image of Jesus being transformed deeper and deeper, becoming more and more sanctified and uh, transformed into your likeness, Lord. So we thank you that tonight is not just a Sunday where we come because we're supposed to come, God, but we are here because you have an intentionality of what you want to accomplish. And so we yield our hearts to your intentions tonight, Jesus. We say, let your will be done in our lives, God. Speak to us and, and move us uh, closer, God. Move us further, move us deeper into the depths of your heart, God. We want to know you more. We want to be known by you more, and we want to leave here more like Jesus. So God, speak and let your word accomplish that for which it is being sent tonight. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, we've been uh, on this, uh, well, I've been on this uh, real Jesus. We're after a real Jesus that is embodied in our community as we are the body of Christ and have been uh, talking about communion uh, last week, the week prior, and and really going to be taking hopefully a new look at communion and the scriptures as means of grace by which the real Jesus is revealed to the church. And uh, I'm going to talk tonight, uh, continue on the topic of communion, and I think the next few weeks after this we'll um, take a, a look at, at the scriptures um, just for themselves, but uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, tackle the topic of communion and kind of juxtapose, whatever, in, in the midst of, I was trying to be smart, it didn't work out, so <laughs> juxtapose it in the midst of, uh, of, of um, the human body. And really my topic tonight is uh, what are we to do with our bodies as Christians, and Christianity is actually uh, distinguishes itself from most other world religion in its uh, emphasis and uh, the significance that that bodies actually play within it. Though it is Christian spirituality, uh, we see that the body of Jesus, the physical body of Jesus, that was um, whipped and beat and 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 crucified and then raised from the grave. Um, serves as the center point, like the central axis of Christianity is the body of Jesus. And it's, it's the height of uh, Christian worship is this partaking of communion. We're feasting upon the body of Jesus. We become the body of Christ as the church. And, and it's not just uh, Jesus' body that is emphasized, but uh, our bodies are actually spoken of quite extensively throughout the scriptures. Um, we see uh, that we're told our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry, I believe the Gospels, that somewhere around 37% of the Gospels are dealing with physical miracles to the human body, which Jesus is bestowing value upon them by doing that, right? He wouldn't heal blind eyes and, you know, you know, cripples make cripples walk if he did not value the human body. And, uh, and it's interesting that Jesus is also recorded, there's a lot of, of scriptures um, that's teaching, talking about Jesus eating meals with people, 
right? Which is bodies and the first thing Jesus simple, uh, you know, physical acts that we do to nourish our physical bodies. And the first thing Jesus does post-resurrection with his disciples is he makes them breakfast and has a meal with them. So there's, uh, there's this um, emphasis in Christianity around the human body, but I have found that even so, we still sometimes don't know what to do with our bodies. We find ourselves in a tension, not really knowing what does it look like to worship God with my body? So I want to talk tonight about that topic is what, what, what are we to do with our bodies as new covenant Christians? And uh, to, to kind of present my, uh, what I feel the Lord wants to communicate tonight, I'm going to just start with some kind of philosophical thought that I, I'm going to try to dumb down so that we understand it. Um, but it will help you understand um, what I feel like the Lord's wanting to speak tonight. And so Plato is uh, a philosopher, I'm sure we've all heard of him, and he's known by many as like the father of Western thought and had a lot of profound um, ideas and uh, philosophies. Um, but one of the things that uh, Plato really bought into was um, the idea that there is a separation between the physical realm and the natural realm. And so Plato actually believed that, uh, that, that bodies were like intrinsically evil, like the flesh. The human bodies were not good, and, uh, and the spiritual was kind of what purity is. Right, so that, that's simplified. I could go more into this, but it's not worth it. So basically, he just he had this idea that the natural body is is unclean. It's it's dirty. It's it's broken. It's it's you know flawed. But the spiritual that's what that's where a life of purity is lived in the spiritual. And his thought has been so fundamental in Western thinking that that we are still greatly influenced by the thoughts of Plato and his his paradigm. So Platonic. Uh, philosophy uh, actually has created a paradigm that there's been a canyon dug in the mind of the Westerner between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. So it's actually just a creation of our own intellects, our own um, kind of intellectual inheritance as Westerners, that there is a divide. And so um, we, we find in matters of spirituality questions all the time. I get questions all the time. Like, do you think that you know, like mental illness, is, is that a spiritual issue or is that a physical issue? And I think that's a silly question because we're actually trying to separate and fragment human beings that are spirit, soul, and body. So it's like, yeah, I would imagine a spiritual issue would affect your, you know, your um, chemical balances in your mind, right? But like we, 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 we have to like go to one or the other. Right, and so a Platonic paradigm, we almost have to choose sides. Like, is that a natural issue or is that a spiritual issue, or is that a spiritual issue or is that a natural issue? And we're always forced, kind of, on a teeter totter that it's one or the other. Does that make sense? Right. So um, when it comes to it, it, it forces us to choose. Uh, we have to pick a side, and inevitably, whatever side we pick will lead to the neglect of the other. Right. And when you go to like the global South. Um, the global south does not have a western worldview, predominantly speaking. Um, in some of like the urban centers um, of you know Africa, India, South America, stuff like there, there is because of the globalization and a world economy and you know huge multinational corporations. Western thought has started to pervade its way into the global south. But when you go to rural Africa, India, people that have been untouched by Western civilization, they do not have a divide between the spiritual and the natural. So you'll, as Westerners, we go, and the language I started using, I'm like, they're just so much more spiritually aware. 
It's like their whole life seems to be spiritual. And it's, it's just, and it's not necessarily that they're just more spiritual. It's that it's very much fused for them. Right? So there's, there's no separation between the two. And this is actually more consistent with what an ancient Hebrew worldview would be as well. Right? And so that's why we have Apostle Paul, who's a Jew. He's writing in Greek, and he says, I pray that you will know yada, gnosko in the Greek, which is yada in the Hebrew. I pray that you will know Adam, yada, Eve. Right? It's talking about like it's experiential knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Right? And so Paul is a Hebrew trying to express this incarnational thought of, no, it's not just a spiritual or a physical. I pray you'll yada something that surpasses your mind, right? Because he's, he's actually now engaging with Western thought, right? So um, does this make sense? Okay, so the problem is if we get on the teeter-totter and we veer and we become, we focus on the spirit and neglect the physical, or we go to the physical and we neglect the spirit, is we actually become disabled in any one of those places to recognize the real Jesus. Because Jesus, as John 1, hopefully you're there, John 1, 14, tells us is, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. And John goes even further in 1 John. He says, what we've looked at, what we've touched, what we've felt, what we've seen, and what we've heard. Right? The word God, the, the spiritual essence of the universe, be, became a man. Right? And, and Jesus just fuses right there. There's no spiritual or natural. It's Jesus. The word became flesh. Right? So if we are to recognize an incarnational Jesus, we must be walking in an incarnational spirituality. Right? And what do I mean by an incarnational spirituality? Spirit, soul, body, we're one. Right? We're worshiping God with my body. I'm worshiping God in my soul. I'm worshiping God in my, with, my, with my spirit. Right? Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. He's speaking of the body, your strength. He's speaking of the intellect, your mind. He's speaking of the will, the emotions, your soul. He's speaking about your spirit, right? There's a, there's a, there's a fusion. We must be incarnational. The word must be flesh in us. And when we find ourselves on any side of this teeter-totter, um, that becomes, um, uh, you know, impossible. And really, um, what I found the deviations can be in natural realm, when it comes to our body, because that's what I want to talk about tonight, is uh, if we overemphasize on the natural realm, we, we've, we've idolized the body. Uh, I went to, you know, university in Southern California, and the body's worshipped. It's an exercise culture. Workout, 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 workout to look like this. Right? And, and we have this you know, sexualized culture that says this is the body, this is what you're supposed to look like, this is what you're supposed to you know, dress like, everything. And then you can veer to the other side in um, some uh, like Christian, I'll just speak on Christian cultures, and uh, there's like a, a modern day Gnosticism that can creep in. And what I mean by Gnosticism, that was the, like the first real uh, opponent, like heresy in the church. And the Apostle John uh, it combats it a lot in his writings, and there's a lot of even extra-biblical literature talking about um, how they would deal with Gnostic teaching. And Gnosticism was, uh, was uh, this is simplified, but it taught that Jesus had no body. He was just a spirit on earth, 
um, kind of an emanating spirit and that there was a secret esoteric knowledge that could come through heightened spiritual experience. And uh, it's unfortunate, but in some streams, particularly of like charismatic Christianity, Gnosticism can creep in and it's all about these esoteric experiences with the Holy Spirit that's not grounded in the Word of God, grounded in community, grounded in relationship. Are you following me? It's all about like these esoteric experiences, right? And so that can kind of creep in and, and, it, and that, you know, so Gnosticism in its like pure form is an extreme adopting of the spiritual and neglecting of the physical, but, but either, either way you go, we can get in trouble. And so I'm, I'm talking about is what, what does this look like? What does an incarnational spirituality look like? And we've been on, you know, I've called the church to a, a 40-day communion feast. Who's doing it? Who's not doing it? We're just going to shame you. No, I'm just joking. Um, you know, that's fine. But I, I, I've been doing this. And the thing that I have found, you know, it's been a week now. And uh, I, I have found, I, I never saw it like this before, but communion, it, it actually, um, it, it forces you into having an incarnational spiritual experience, right? Communion is this cross-section between the divine and the ordinary. It's like this mystery that I'm feasting on the body and the blood of Jesus, and then it's a cracker and grape juice. It's like, huh, is that ordinary? Is that natural or is this spiritual and supernatural? It's both, right? But I have found that just in the last week, I had um, a series of days this week. You know, so I'm busy. I'm going through my thing, and I have the communion. I bought communion, and it's at the church office. I told the staff, you can use it. And I found two kind of disturbances that this communion, this incarnational spiritual practice, kind of rubs me the wrong way. And the first was, I found myself, I'm having this beautiful time of worship with Jesus. I'm just deep in the spirit, you know, I just feel the peace, like, wow, this is so heavenly. And then the thought crosses my mind, oh, I'm on my communion feast, you know, I better, I better, I better take it. But I'm like, oh no, I don't want to interrupt this, this, this moment I'm having to have to go get a cup and pour the juice and get my cracker and, you know, this, all these ordinary, simple things. Like, no, I'm just going to stay having this, like, real spiritual time with Jesus. But it was like, no, no, no. I'm, and, I, and it was like, I, it actually, like, disturbed me. I had to, like, go and get these simple things to have this moment. Does that make sense? Right? And then, like, the next day, literally, I was busy. I had meetings all day. I was bopping, bopping, emails this, writing this. And all of a sudden, it was like 5 o'clock, and I was like, I haven't even taken communion. i got to go home. My stuff's in the office. So I, like, go get the stuff. I'm just kind of in go mode. And then I sat down, and I was like, whoa, like, I need to slow down. Like, my, I need to, like, actually engage my spirit right now to reflect on the sacredness of what's happening. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like... I'm getting disturbed in the opposite way now. It's like I saw, like, I'm on the teeter-totter over here, and the next day I'm on the teeter-totter over here, and I realize it's like, oh, you're, you're forcing me into this centered place of becoming incarnational. You're, you're forcing me to have this realization that, yes, you're the God of the universe. You're the God who spoke the galaxies, and you live inside of me, and I am like this ordinary human being with his body having my whatever emotional state I'm having at the time, right? It's like this intersection of the supernatural, of the divine, and the very natural and ordinary. 
Right? That's an incarnational spirituality. I believe that communion is actually this, it, 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 it's this central point that I think is supposed to train us and it's supposed to trickle into all the other forms of our spirituality. It's teaching us how to be incarnational. Right? And uh, when it comes to the body, uh, we can, you know, we can idolize it, we can neglect it, but I would like to suggest that the proper, uh, you know, modus operandi with our bodies is to steward it. We're to steward our bodies really, really well. Um, our bodies, as I mentioned previously, are temples of the Holy Spirit, and what that means is that as Christians, as born-again Christians who have, you know, invited Jesus to come, uh, our bodies don't belong to us. We're actually stewards of divine art. God actually formed this body. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Right? He's like a better artist than Picasso. He's better than da Vinci. Right? We, we, this is divine art piece. We're a sacred temple, and we've been, we, we don't even own this thing. We're, it's this you know, crazy gift that we've been given, like, Oh my gosh, a body. You know, it's like you ever get sick or hurt and you're like, man, I forgot how awesome my body is. Like we have, like, these are like the coolest gifts. <laughs> you know, it's like you get happy when you get an iPhone. Like we got a human body. These things are awesome. I think we forget the wonder of that sometimes. Like these, this is amazing, right? And we've been given it to steward them. And you know, I just want to talk about what, what, what stewardship can look like and what it can look like to actually worship God with our bodies, with these ordinary things, you know, with these, these, these creations that he formed out of the dust. And, uh, you know, and, and so I'm going to offer some thoughts on some incarnational worship and what this can look like. And so I'll start here, which is rest and sleep as worship. Right, uh, <laughs> right, so when we are on healthy rhythms of sleep and rest, uh, our bodies are, are, are um, you know, strengthened, our immunity is stronger, and our mental health, you actually will start going crazy if you're sleep deprived, right? Like our bodies are formed to function on rest, on healthy rhythms of rest. And I believe that we have to set the intention that when I go to rest, when I go to sleep, I'm doing this as worship to Jesus. Right? Like my motivation in maybe going to bed early or waking up early or taking, you know, whatever it looks like, my rhythms of my week, my motivation is that I'm worshiping you because I'm caring for this body. I'm stewarding this divine art, this living piece of art that I get to have a part of. Right? And uh, we have to, this pendulum of idolatry or nation, and, and also realize, you know, that this, this pendulum of idolatry or neglect, right? Like, uh, we can, you know, sleep and rest and be lazy. I just want to never do nothing. That's probably not worship. I can neglect sleep and literally abuse my body by never sleeping, and that's not really worship either. Like, that's poor stewardship, and that's not healthy spirituality. And as Christians, we shouldn't be able to accept those things, right? Because in the same way that we offer our spirits to Jesus, we give him our heart, 
Paul says in Romans 12, present your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your spiritual act of worship. Incarnational, right? It's incarnational. The word became flesh, right? So um, eating as worship. We are what we eat. So I believe that as sanctified believers, we should have this as a life motto when it comes to eating, that I will put nothing in my mouth that Jesus wouldn't put in his. I'll put nothing in my mouth that Jesus wouldn't put in his. You have to set the intention. I'm going to eat healthy here. Like this. Um, not because I'm idolizing this sexual thing that culture says, look like this and have an eight-pack, then you'll be somebody, because that doesn't actually satisfy. I'm going to eat like this because I'm stewarding this body, Jesus, and I love you. I'm worshiping you, right? Uh, you know, and, and we have all, all sorts of issues around eating, and I think um, we've neglected, I think, to really give the intentionality that eating should have because uh, the original sin was an act of eating, and the height of Christian worship is an act of eating. I think there's something to this. Like, I think there's something powerful that takes place in the way we eat, in the way that we consume food, in the way that we nourish our physical bodies, right? We don't want to eat anything that Jesus wouldn't eat. Overeating, that really is a sin. Like, gluttony really is a sin. Withholding nourishment from my body because I have an idea of what it's supposed to look like, right? That's, I'm manipulating myself. I'm damaging this art piece, this beautiful thing that Jesus made, right? Eating is an act of worship, but we got to claim that back and start realizing everything I put in my mouth, I'm doing for the glory of God. So ordinary. Yeah, this is ordinary. But incarnational worship is where an intersection between the ordinary and the holy and the divine and the supernatural. Um, exercise is worship. Right? It builds strength in our bodies. It releases endorphins. Isn't that awesome? Our bodies are literally made that exercise brings us pleasure. <laughs> I think that's the coolest thing. You know, I think sometimes we're like, we get these bad attitudes about exercise is so hard. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it is. But we all know 10 minutes in, it starts feeling good. <laughs> right? Like runner's high. You're like, wow, I just somehow feel better. All right? Brings equilibrium to our whole systems. We have to set the intention. I, I think a lot of times, again, in the same way that eating, a lot of our exercise regimens are actually motivated by this. Um, we're veering too much in the natural, and we're actually idolizing the body. So we're exercising because our motivation is we want our bodies to look like blank, and that won't ever last because that doesn't actually satisfy anything. Right? We're not supposed to exercise so that we look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ladies, I don't know who you're. Julian. <laughs> From Weight Watchers. <laughs> Jillian. <laughs> That's not our motivation. I, I exercise because I'm stewarding this piece of divine art. I, I'm, I, I want my body 
to be, to be holy. I'm worshiping you. I remember one time I went to college on the beach, and I was running on the cliffs, and I was, I'd gone for a run, and I was tired, and my lungs were just, like, exasperating. I could just feel them working, and it's like my legs were burning. I could just feel them starving for oxygen. And as I'm running, I just was like, all of a sudden had this revelation. I was like, this is amazing. My body is amazing. And all I could be is like, let every breath within me praise the Lord. And I was like, wow, wow, I can worship you. I just was imagining like my muscles in my body, like I can do this physical thing and I'm just worshiping you. I remember it. I'll never forget it. It was just this beautiful moment with the Lord through exercising, right? Incarnational worship, to set the intention. I'm going to the gym or I'm doing whatever it is. I'm going on my walks. I'm hiking because I'm worshiping Jesus. I am, I'm tending and I'm caring to this beautiful thing he's given me, this body, right? Incarnational. Uh, clothing as worship, what we dress, what we wear as worship, right? It says in the Psalms that everything in the temple cries glory. Everything in the temple cries glory. Glory is splendid. It's beautiful. It's pure. It's holy. Right? We, we should dress in a way. Right? Everything we wear actually does communicate a message. You can say that's not true, but it is. Everything you wear, how you, how you present yourself to the world speaks a message. Right? And I believe that we can dress in a way that's provocative, uh, seductive, trying to get attention. Um, and I think this can be male or female, by the way. So I'm not trying to speak to a, a certain race, a certain gender. Um, and, and I also think we can dress in a way that's self-deprecating. And, and they're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Right? To neglect or to idolize is, is the same. It's not worship. Right? We're, we're to worship God. And so I'm not saying dress with a certain style. I'm not saying how much money you spend on your wardrobe. I'm simply saying let's set the intention that how I dress this gift of a body you've given me, I want it to cry glory. You know? Like incarnational worship. We have to set the intention. We have to claim back these, these natural things. Right? But worms are so ordinary. That's just so human. Yeah, it is human because we're humans, right? But we're made to worship God in these bodies. And so I hope you are thinking this sounds so ordinary, and it is. Um, but I've been, I've been pondering this a lot lately um, in light of the last trip to India. And I've alluded this with some, and I've shared a little bit that first night. But uh, I, I went to India very weak, and uh, the Lord convicted me about 10 days before we left, and said you've been overproducing, you're overexerting yourself emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically, you're not taking care of yourself. And I just was like, yeah, I'm tired. I got sick. And I knew the reason I got sick was because I wasn't healthy. I wasn't resting. I just, I'd been exerting, exerting, exerting. And he said, I want you to rest. And typically before I go to India or something like that, I want to get into spiritual athlete mode is what I call it. And, you know, I want to fast. I want to pray. I want to be, I want to be going in this place where I'm just, I'm just in the spirit and I just feel so ready to, you know, just release and just everything's feeling good. And it's just, I got the like holy goosebumps the whole time and everything's perfect. And I'm just in polar vision, right? And the Lord said, no, you don't. And I knew it. I was like, I don't even have the energy to do that if I wanted to. I'm tired. He said, yeah, I just want you to rest. And so I went to India a week, um, and just felt really vulnerable, and it's weighty ministry there. 
uh, to begin with, and I honestly was just the whole time struggling, feeling emotionally drained, feeling lonely, all types of needs, human needs, sexual needs, physical needs, like you name it. I'm just being real with you. It was like, I don't feel like a spiritual athlete at all. I feel weak. I feel tired. I feel vulnerable. I, I, just, I feel very, very human right now. And uh, the second, the, the Saturday, the crusade was just nasty attack, and I just felt awful and just don't know that I've honestly ever had like a more unenjoyable ministry experience in my entire life. And God billowed through that place. God billowed through that place in a way that I had been longing to see him move. Like I saw his glory just, just descend. And for me, it was like one of the most powerful experiences. It honestly wasn't enjoyable until like it's like type two fun after the fact. I look back, <laughs> thankful. It was miserable in the moment. And in the aftermath of pondering that, I realized that the Lord liberated me from a lot of hyper-spiritual, like these, these, these kind of spiritual athlete yoke that I put on myself and is giving me permission to be much more comfortable in this human body that he's given me. And I came home and I was processing this with my spiritual director uh, just recently, and I've just been drawn to dirt. I've been drawn to the earth, and not in a self-deprecating way, but I think like two or three days after I got back, I was up in my family's cabin. There's this big so river, and I literally just went, and I laid on it for the longest time, and I felt so at peace. I was just like, Lord, I don't feel any pressure to just be dirt. Like, I just, it's so ordinary. It's unremarkable. It's, it's just like, I can be dirt, no, no pressure. And it was like, I just feel at home. I feel peaceful. I just feel drawn. It's like something in me is drawn to the earth. I was processing this in my spiritual directory. He said, you know, Jordan, it's interesting. He's like, because dirt's the womb of life. And I was like, what? And he was like, you know, when you garden. He's like, it's dirt that you plant the seed into, and that dirt is the environment it becomes a womb where all the life and potential and, and fruitfulness can actually grow out of. And I was like, what a picture of incarnational spirituality. I am but dust, but God wants to plant these holy spiritual seeds, his word that's living and active, that, that accomplishes that for which it's sent. He wants to plant them in this body that he's given me to steward. And then I immediately went from there to the parable of the sower, which is actually the parable of the soil, where Jesus starts comparing different types of soil. And I was like, what an unremarkable example to use. Dirt. But it was like, wow, I can relate to dirt right now. And I started thinking that as Jesus, you know, demonstrates that not all dirt is able to produce fruit, right? The only dirt, and I helped one of my friends build a garden bed once, and we went and got all the stuff, and we layered, you know, layer after layer, and the right soils and the nutrients, and it, th there was intentionality. Like, like, we had to put the base thing, and then we had to put this, and then we had to put that, then we had to, like, wait, then we had to, like, put it again a couple days later, and it, the whole thing was to create that soil so that it had a, a, a vibrancy to it, so that it could actually take the seed and, and bear fruit. And when I talk about all these ordinary means, you know, eating, drinking, exercising, clothing, rest, you know, not, you could add in a lot more to that, by the way, relationships, soul care, play, you know, playtime. Like, I think we think only kids need playtime. We need playtime as adults. 
and if you think that sounds silly, you're just lying to yourself. You know you won't play tonight. <laughs> That's why we all like Disneyland. <laughs> but I think it's in, in those things, right, caring for our physical body uh, is actually we're, 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 we're caring for the dirt. Right? We're, 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 we're tending, we're cultivating so that there's nutrient and, and the vibrancy and the life so that when we do have these beautiful spiritual moments and experiences, right, uh, they can actually be planted in good soil. Right? Because the, the reality is I can be a spiritual athlete and just do in it and having these visions and having these dreams and I'm in this amazing place. But if I don't have a body that's well cared for, none of those things will ever come to fruit. You know, they, they won't because a seed needs the womb of the dirt. And I just am on this place where it's like been so refreshing and humbling and being like, wow, all I have to be is me. And, and I actually have permission, not just permission, but responsibility to care for my body and to care for my soul. And, 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 and not just like, oh, I'm going to do that so then I can go and have my special spiritual time with Jesus. But, whew, no, no, it's all one. I'm spirit, soul, body. This is incarnational. I think that's a healthy spirituality. And I think that is what Jesus modeled for us. Right? He, he went away and had his alone time. He, like, had meals. He, at the woman at the well, he said, I'm hungry. Can you go get me food? Like, I think sometimes we're being spiritual. It's like, no, I'm starving, but I'm just serving the Lord. It's like, well, you're going to die soon. <laughs> your body needs to eat. You know, but we've spiritualized. Like, we've spiritualized. Like, gluttony really is a sin. You know, like, there, there's, there's, you know, not resting um, and abusing your body and overworking, that's a sin. Right? Because you're, you're abusing your body for the sake of, you know, what? The spirit? Like, it, we're one. There, there's no, the, 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 this paradigm of the natural and the spiritual needs to get married together. And I believe that communion is this discipling act of worship that trains us to start recognizing these intersections between the ordinary and the divine. And, and then we become more and more tri-dimensionally healthy people that can recognize the real Jesus. Because he is an incarnational Jesus. The word became flesh. Um, so I just wanted to create a space. I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to create a space um, uh, for, for us to have uh, like a new experience of Romans 12 which is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And I think I've, almost, I've always looked at that as present your heart. Give your heart, give your life to Jesus. But tonight, I feel like God's actually inviting us, will you surrender your body to me? In the same way you gave me your heart, will you give me your body? And I believe that there's, um, there's been like shackles, there's been difficulties around maybe some of the areas I've mentioned, you know, eating uh, resting, exercise, whatever it is. Um, and I believe that God, he wants to bring a new motivation because the Holy Spirit is, is the best motivator. And the Holy Spirit motivates and then actually fulfills and sustains, right? So I just believe there's breakthrough for some of us tonight um, in surrender. Um, and I also think, I believe that there's, there's repentance uh, for someone to take it, that, you know, you've, 
you've, you, you've, been, you've been stewarding your body in a way that it's either been neglected and abused or it's been idolatry or, or you know, made it of an idol. And, and whatever that is, just, just tell them you're sorry. And there's grace tonight to repent. And the Lord wants to bring alignment. And uh, I'm just going to create a space. And you can, uh, the chairs can be your altar. You can turn on your knees. Um, you can stand. You can do whatever that is. I'm going to have Garrett come up and, and play um, the keys. And we're just going to have a space here. Um, and then we also have communion uh, around the room. And you can come and uh, you can, you know, we do rip and dip. You can rip it and, and, and take communion on your own. But I had a vision during the 3 o'clock service, um, which is, doesn't happen all the time. And uh, I saw a dry, a dry um, dirt and I saw a, a drop of the blood of Jesus fall into the dirt, and it got in, and it, it transformed it into this rich, fertile soil. And then the Lord spoke to me uh, and specifically and said, eating disorders. Uh, I want to I heal. I want to touch. Um, and I believe that um, if that's you, um, the, Lord, the Lord's table is for you tonight. And uh, his blood has the power to transform in a moment what all the striving can never do. And so um, I just encourage you, make your heart right, and you can come. And if you want to receive prayer, I don't want to expose anybody, but you can come find me or come find any of the leaders um, uh, or, or prayer team ministers. But uh, this is just a space right now. And so I'm just going to pray for us, and, and you can respond uh, in whatever way you feel led. But, but offer your body to Jesus tonight. God, I thank you that tonight is an intersection between the divine and the ordinary. And we just say, come Holy Spirit. We offer ourselves to you, Jesus. We offer our bodies to you. I felt this last service and I feel it again that some of you've had all types of these thoughts that are just um, always criticizing your body. And I, I see that gratitude, I feel like God's saying gratitude's your key to breakthrough. Start thanking him for the way he made your eyes and the way he made your hair and the way he formed your body and the way your voice sounds and just he, he absolutely adores you. I just, it's gratitude. Just start thanking Jesus for this beautiful body given to you. Christ. God, and you've called us to be holy. So we give these bodies as instruments of worship. God, we thank you 
for this divine art that we get to steward. We thank you for the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of these bodies that were formed for intimacy and formed for communion with one another and with God. thank you for your body and we thank you for your blood and we partake of you tonight with such gratitude Jesus Thank you. 